Welcome to Strat on the Wall, the podcast that unveils the power of effective goal setting and strategic planning. I'm your host, Tana Capucci, co-founder and co-CEO of One of Many. In today's episode, we're joined by Toby Corbialis, business transformation consultant. Together, we're diving into the topic of overcoming blockers to large-scale business transformation. At least half of the C-suite can't articulate the strategy of the organization in the same way as each other. So you've already got a misalignment issue, right? And that can raise some uh, sort of resistance. We also explore the value of running flow simulation sessions as a powerful experiential learning process. It's a game that you play simulating how work is now. And then we change a couple of parameters and we rerun the simulation. The uplift in productivity that happens, people sort of get a bit gobsmacked by it. Plus, we'll share insights on how to identify and address systemic issues at their core. We, we tend to see symptoms and we go and fix a symptom. Is the person sitting next to you coughing because they've got COVID or they've got a cold or they've got lung cancer, right? And if you just treat the cough, you don't know that you treated the underlying cause. And it's the same in business. To listen to all these and more, stay tuned into this episode of Strat on the Wall. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Strat on the Wall. Uh, I'm your host, Tanner, uh, coming to you directly from our one of many offices here on London Wall. We talk about all things strategy related on this podcast. And today's episode is a particularly special one because I'm joined by a very, very special guest. Um, today, we're going to be talking about uh, overcoming the resistance to change, such a very broad and elaborate topic. And for one such uh, for a topic of such complexity, it was only right that we were able to bring an expert onto the show today. So I'm joined by Toby Corbalis. That's it. You got it? Yeah. For all the listeners, I always, for one reason or another, it's always unclear, but I always add an I into Toby's surname. <laughs> it's just, it's fine. Yeah. It's, it's become habit. So Toby, thank you for coming along. Thank you for having me. Um, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. So I'm Toby, uh, Toby Corbus. I've been in uh, organizational change really from about uh, the mid-90s. I would probably trace it back to. Uh, and in that time, you know, different fads have come and gone. But the objective has, you know, has always remained the same, right? Which is to uh, transform the business in order to uh, make more value for the customers um, and the business. Uh, basically creating value and, um, you know, by, by doing things in different ways. So whether that's, that could be, you know, back in the nineties, it was all about, you know, big, uh, systems that people put in like SAP. Um, uh, but nowadays, you know, it's still about, you know, we've gone through the agile revolution and now we're, you know, it, things are evolving again. And that leads us on to the theme for today. And it's all of those experiences that we'd like to lean into on the show, mm. um, looking at particularly why business strategy fails and of, more often than not, it's the idea of resistance to change being the primary culprit for why many businesses just struggle, in essence, to implement their strategy successfully. And we're all about being practitioners and we like talking about experiences. So something that we try to strive for on this show is really about trying to bring those experiences to there to help the people who are listening in to try and understand our perspective and our experiences, albeit they're not silver bullets, but I think we've been around long enough now that we've got enough insight to be able to share with people. 
Mm. So if I could open up with just a very high level question, um, from your experience in all the years you've been doing business transformation, what are some of the common reasons why employees and senior leadership in organizations, this idea of resistance to change, where do you think it emanates from? I don't think there's a single source for that, um, but it is a big problem, right? Um, and so I work for a company called Adaptivist, and what we do is we do this sort of big organizational change stuff, yeah. right? and we do it all the way, you know, the whole whole organization, as it were, so not just a little team somewhere, which is that can be valuable, but we we want to do the whole organization. And so what we do is we go and talk with C-level, um, uh, for example, and what we find is very often the, the first the first of the hurdle is they're not all on board, right? And the reason for that is sometimes rooted in the fact that they don't they don't they're not actually that aligned around strategy quite often, right? So it's not uncommon to find that half, at least half of the C-suite can't articulate the strategy of the organization in the same way as each other. So you've already got a misalignment issue, right? And that can raise some uh, sort of resistance. Um, and if you don't have the senior leadership bought in, it's very difficult to persuade everybody, low down the organization, if you will, uh, of the importance of the, of the need to transform. So right from the get-go, if you want to tackle organization resistance to organizational change, you really have to get that buy-in of the leadership team. So it has to start with the leaders. Um, and then there are other reasons that people resist change. Sometimes they feel they, they might perceive that there's a threat to their job. Yes. So they might think, oh my goodness, we're not going to work in the same way I've been working for a long time. Maybe I'm going to lose some of my, my power. Maybe I'm going to, you know, I don't feel comfortable working in a different way. Um, and these are real and, and valid, uh, you know, reasons to, to want to object. And the thing is to work through with those people and, and help them to understand actually that maybe their, maybe their work is going to change, but that's not necessarily a threat. It can actually be an opportunity for them. Um, so there's those sorts of things. Um, and then there's, you know, if you look at the Kanban maturity model at level zero, that's called oblivious to the need to change. Right. Um, and so people just don't really understand why they're being told to do something, you know, I'm an expert in what I do. Why do I need to change? Right. So again, it's an educational thing quite often. Um, uh, and so, yeah, so the, I think those are the main reasons resist. Yeah. And coming back to the topic of misalignment, because I felt like that was really important because more often than not, it can be, it can be so pivotal. Yeah. Especially yeah. within leadership groups. Yeah. So what type of advice would you give to give to an exec team c-level team when misalignment tends to appear particularly within the strategy execution piece it's a good question so you with this misalignment what, what do you, how do you align people right and, and you really have to start with well what is what is it that we're doing as an organization what is our strategy does everybody understand it let's get that clear right and then you know, so that you're thinking about there, you know, what's the North Star of the organization? What's the, what's the mission? What's the vision of the, of the organization? Because if you can't align around those, how you can't really expect alignment elsewhere. So you've got to spend time and hard work doing that. And I know you guys um, uh, are very familiar with OKRs, for example. I would say that OKRs are a great, great tool, but they're not the easiest thing to implement. So you need to help people understand 
what that's all about. Maybe maybe get them using uh, OKRs. And I think until you get that alignment around strategy, um, don't proceed any further with a with a big transformation. Get that alignment because that will help you get that buy-in. And and that alignment is only going to come through everybody understanding what the strategy is, agreeing what the strat that with that strategy, uh, and then being able to talk. You should have a leadership team, literally, where you know if I go up to any one of them just randomly and say, "What's the organization strategy?" They are able to articulate it in the same way as any of their colleagues. And that very frequently does not happen. Right? So we see it all the time. We see people they can't answer the question or they answer it. They think they think it's this, and somebody else thinks it's that, and that is it's a crucial thing to solve. Um, and I would say making sure you do it through those things, right? Getting the North Star sorted out, getting the vision sorted out, getting the mission statement sorted out. And they sound like fluffy things to some people, but they're really crucial. They're really very crucial. important. Yeah. Very important. So who do you think should be leading in creating that? It has to be the CEO or, or equivalent, right, really. Because it can't just be somebody to one side of the CEO. Because then that, all that is really is politics, right? So you need, you need that central figure who says, yeah, we need to transform. Here's why we need to transform. This is the benefits we're going to get from doing that transformation. Are you with me or not? Right, uh, because I need you to be with me, and that's only going to happen if you are in that leadership position. So you need to be the MD, the CEO, whatever it is. I suppose in some very big organisations, some of the big tier one banks, for example, it might be a division head. Yes, right, because you're you're going to have effectively separate businesses within one business. But yeah, it has to be somebody who has that figurehead status, yeah, who can bring people on that journey. And what kind of culture do you think that person needs to create? Because resistance to change, um, you were saying it comes in many different forms and there's many different sources for why it appears in organizations. Sometimes people just want to protect their status. So there's that culture of safety within a business. Um, what type of culture, particularly within leadership groups, would you give advice to that leader? to create so that this idea of resistance to change or that misalignment piece in particular, how, what do they need to manifest in that group? Yeah, I mean, culture is a very broad term. And I think really with it, every organization has a unique culture, but there are values that you want to um, instill, I think. Right. Uh, and that, that drives culture, right? So, so principles, principles, values. Effectively. So things like, for example, um, you want to make it a safe space, right? So anybody can ask any question, no matter how silly it sounds. Because um, if you've got a question in your head, more than likely somebody else in the, in the room has also got the same question. And if, you're, if you inhibit yourself from being able to ask that, or if you feel inhibited for whatever reason, that other person might feel inhibited. So you need people to be able to feel like they can ask any question. So that needs to be very safe. And, that, and, and you might do that by actually bringing some questions in that sound a bit like um, I, they might sound, there's no such thing as a stupid question, if you like, but, but they might sound like, well, why are you asking that question? But actually it's to get that process going. You might do a uh, mandated dissent, right? So you might say, it's actually your job today to talk against everything I say, right? So you question it from the other side, right? 
And that's not because I want you to be a dissenter. And uh, but what I want to do is get that thinking, right? That broad thinking, that open-minded thinking into the room. Um, you might want to do things like a pre-mortem, right? Imagine everything goes wrong and it's all, you know, gone to hell in a handcart. Why did it get there? What caused that to happen? Right. So then you can do a path back and look at some of the decisions that maybe you don't want to take. Right. Um, and then I think if you're, if you are the leader and, 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 and you're going to find no matter what you do, you're going to find resistance to change anyway. Um, so there's a, a couple of things that you need to do and these will impact the culture. Right. And one is, uh, you want to communicate. You can't over communicate. You want to communicate, communicate, communicate. Um, and then I think the, the other thing that you, you know, you really want to be able to do is, um, so, uh, you know, that communication is great, but then you've got to have, um, it's this Cotter concept, right? Of you're going to have the resistors, you're going to have the sitting on the fence people, and you're going to have the, the, the people who are actively embracing change. And what you really want to do is target those people that are on the fence and move them into actively championing, uh, that change. And that might mean that you points to change agents throughout the organization um, to help with that process. And that fosters an environment where people start thinking positively about change. Now, there will be times when you just cannot change somebody's mind. Uh, and unfortunately, that might you know, have to be a conversation which could end leaving yes. um, or, or whatever. But um, Actively targeting those people in the in the sort of sitting on the fence, they don't really know whether they want to go with it or against it. You want to move them into being actively encouraging change. Right. Um, you listed a lot of I did. really great techniques there. I think um, absolute gems for anyone who's listening. Um, in your experience, which ones have been the most effective for you? Where have you seen the real attraction? So one of the things we do. Um, at advance of this is we like to run like a flow simulation. Okay. We call it. So this is where, uh, we, it's a simulated environment and, uh, therefore it's safe. What we do is we, we start off by, um, simulating how work is now, how the working environment is now. Right. And, and it's a game that you play. It's, it's, um, and then what that does are people get, you know, People come out of me and they go, that really is like how we are working now. It's so frustrating, this, 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 and then. Right. And then what we do is we go through some systems thinking, right? And then we change a couple of parameters and we rerun the simulation. And the uplift in productivity that happens, um, people sort of get a bit gobsmacked by it because it's so powerful. What it does is it's experiential learning. And what that, that, what that does is it shows people, actually, we can do more with the same resources if we just work in a slightly different way, right? It doesn't even have to be hugely different, but it, it, it helps people buy into the concept that actually this change could be really useful. It takes about five, six hours, depending on, you know, how big the group is and, and, you know, what things are like on the day and so on. But it's really worth it because it gets people aligned, really gets people aligned. And I think, um, you know, starting with the values. I'd start with the values of the organization, what values do you want to espouse and start practicing those values. And at the end of the day, by the way, you know, leadership has to go first because if they don't, you can't expect other people to change if you're not willing to show them that you're doing it yourself. 
hundred percent. I mean, everything has to start with leadership because yeah. they're putting the mandate into the organization. Um, in the game that you play, at what point? At what point does the penny drop? When do you see the change? Because it's a shift, right? When people recognize. You know, well, it's not not in the first simulation, clearly, because that's just simulating how work is now. Uh, you start seeing a bit of, uh, you know, what would we call them? You know, uh, you know, oh gosh, moments or whatever. Um, they they start having when people when we go through the systems thinking, right? Because we show people well, okay, that that is the situation you're in now. Why is that the situation you're in now? Yeah, here's the interconnected world. This is what's causing it. So you get a few um, uh, oh crikey moments there, and then you you really get it as the second uh, simulation unfolds because people go, this is counterintuitive, but it's working. And then they they start seeing, okay, well, wow. You know, and all we had to do was change three things or whatever it was to get that sort of change. And now in the real world, you change more than three things and it's not as, you know, it's not as simple as everyone goes and does a flow simulation. However, that is a really good tool for getting that buy-in. Yeah. And this is quite normal, by the way. Every episode we record, there is typically a siren in the background. So thank you to uh, our emergency services for timing uh, their passing by the office. Because every episode we've recorded thus far, but we are we are in the city and naturally there's a police station and hospitals nearby. So, um, Well, hopefully it wasn't anything too serious. Hopefully it wasn't anything too serious. Yes, touch wood. Um, but we are in London Wall, and that's where we are. We're in a busy part of town, so um, we're naturally going to get a lot of the background noise from the city, uh, a bit of amb ambience, if you will. Um, I wanted to touch on, because you're talking about the flow simulation, and I, I've been fortunate enough to have had the experience of going on the training with Adaptivist, and for anyone listening, I can highly recommend it. It's brilliant. Um, I had one of those oh-gosh moments as well when yeah. I was on the training, so... Hence the reason why I know exactly what it is, because it's like a physical reaction as well that you see in people. Yeah. Um, I wanted to touch on communication, because communication is important, because I think in a lot of the things you're saying, this idea of investing in making sure that people understand is really important. Yeah. You need the alignment bit, getting people on the same page, not only from the perspective of, do you understand what I'm saying, but also, do you understand what we're trying to do, yeah. where we're trying to go, how we're trying to get there? But communication sometimes is overlooked. It's not, it really is. And, um, and it's so important. And you, what you listed out there are things like, you know, where are we going? How are we going to get there? Those are really important things, right? They're, they're forward looking things and they're, they're super important. Actually, a bit of backward looking is, is important as well because you should be celebrating any wins, right? So what happens quite often, we see people, they, they really improve, but they forget to celebrate that they've improved or the things of, you know, that the, you know, they, they're more efficient. They've still got the same capability. Well, sorry, they've uplifted their capabilities. That's increased their capacity. Um, and, and they, they feel like they're not overburdened in the same way that maybe they felt before, but they forget to, to celebrate that or even note it down. And, um, and I think that's really important, right. And to communicate that and celebrate it and. And the celebration can be as simple as just, you know, a, a, an email out. And in fact, you should be probably doing a bit more and having events to do, you know, to do that celebration. But that communication is so important because without it, you forget why you're doing things. You forget that you've got, you know, you've come as far as you have on the journey. Um, and people will naturally 
tend towards the negative um, if they're not reminded about the positives. Um, and that's that's just the biological reasons. But you know, we 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 want to be terrified of the rustling in the in the trees because if it's a tiger that's coming to eat us, we better run away. But actually, it might be a bit of wind or whatever. But if we've run away and we're not being eaten, we should also celebrate that fact, right? And if we've changed our behaviour, if we've changed the way we work, and we and we and we've got alignment of strategy, and things are starting to take shape. We should celebrate that fact and we should celebrate it often. Um, and so we should communicate. These are the wins that we've been having. Here's what you can expect next. Here's why we're doing things. And just so there's a bit of a reminder, there's a bit of celebration, but communicate, 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 do it often. It is often overlooked. It's often people go, oh, I could save money if I didn't, you know, get contact yeah. people. But it's a, it's a, it's a false economy, a false economy, excuse me, because actually what are you, what are, what's happening if you're not communicating is you're actually allowing resistance to build, right? And that resistance has a drag effect on the, on the business. So, it, you know, you're better off spending that money and keeping that communication going throughout the organization on a regular basis, have a dedicated team. It doesn't have to be very big, but have it, uh, and get it working. And I've seen it where people don't, and it, and it, it is, it's just, it's just a false economy. So your advice would be in that in case then, so communicate, 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 but in a very targeted fashion. So that means creating one for your peers and a leadership group. And a oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Tar target your audience, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So peers in the leadership group will need different information than let's say a technician um, or maybe somebody in HR because the nature of their job and the nature of their work is different. And so, and they will be doing, making changes that may be similar, but it'll be having a different impact on, on, because their work is different. And so you want to recognize that. So yeah, absolutely target the communications. And it means that investment of time, right? From the leader's perspective, like this isn't easy. It won't be a blanket or cookie cutter approach to how you want to communicate the effectiveness of the organization. The wins one is particularly interesting because we don't often celebrate enough, do we, in organizations? We, we deliver and then we move on to the next thing. And we talk about, um, and, and what happens in organizations, talk about why something's wrong and what needs to happen to fix it or, you know, what new thing needs to happen or why we're getting too many complaints and so on and so forth. But actually, there's a lot of good stuff that's happening probably in your organization, even now, even if you need to do some transformation, you should be celebrating the good stuff. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. I love that one. Uh, I feel like I'm actually a little bit guilty of not doing that myself. <laughs> I'm definitely going to take that away as a piece of advice. Um, we're coming up to the top of the show. Um, want to ask this next question from the perspective of if I'm a leader and I'm sitting in front of you now and I've come to you with the problem statement of I've got misalignment around where we're trying to go as an organization, <laughs> what would be your like? one actionable bit of advice that you could give me that I can take away and just use today because there's a lot of gems in this podcast <laughs> and I think uh, for everyone listening um, yeah this misalignment one feels really I feel like I've seen it so many times yeah and it's the one that it's the one challenge that a lot of leadership teams just don't get right there's a lot of good leaders but when you put them together sometimes they're not always effective as a leadership team 
Yeah, and I think that's because sometimes they, uh, there's all sorts of reasons why that might be. Um, it could be as simple as competence. I hope it's not that simple for that yeah. team, but, you know, it, that is a thing that happens. Um, but, you know, um, I would really, I would, if, if you're in a leadership position and you're, and you're struggling to get alignment amongst your team, you really, I think the thing you need to do is sit down and have have a think about why. Why is that alignment? Is it that, that some people, you know, they just have their own view of the world? Is there politics being played? Is there, um, you know, and and get to the root of it um, and get people to articulate. I think the thing to do would be get people in a room and start getting them to articulate what the strategy is. And if they can't, if they can't do it in the same way, yeah. Right. Then, then you know you've got a problem that you need to fix, and you know you, you've got you've just got that misalignment already. And you might not even need a transformation. I don't know, but you certainly would need some work there to 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 align people. I think there was a, a study a little while ago. Um, uh, I think I've got this fact right. It's something like forty nine percent of leaders, leadership teams, cannot articulate their strategy in the same way. That's a huge amount of uh, people who aren't aligned right so get that get that alignment get whatever you need to do to to, to get that alignment going there yeah. do it really work on you know what is our north star really get aligned around what is the you know mission statement what is your vision and those things are easy oh, it's only a paragraph right i will get it done tomorrow at two and it'll be done by two thirty. believe me these things could take weeks um and you should just carry on going until you get it straight yeah, sometimes we only, we only see the output. Yeah. <laughs> we don't judge the effort that goes into it. Yeah. Um, that's what's really interesting is that statistic. That's probably the reason why this feels so close in terms of, I really feel like I resonate with the idea. Misalignment is such a strong topic. Um, but I think there's lots of gems in what you've said. And I think the actionable advice about exploring is really interesting. So. Rather, because with human human beings, right, we're natural to just go and find solutions to things. So we put a problem, we go get a solution. So the idea of going to explore first and doing a bit more self-reflection. Yeah. And build it up as a system. Like, think of it, don't look, read about systems thinking, right? Do it. Um, because to your point, we, we tend to see symptoms and we go and fix a symptom. Yes. Right? Okay. But, you know, is the person sitting next to you coughing because they've got COVID or they've got a cold or they've got lung cancer or they've got, right? And if you just treat the cough, you don't know that you've treated the underlying cause. And it's the same in business. If you just, you know, I'll give you one very quick example. So a company I was at, they had a lot of calls coming to their call center. Their solution was get more, more call agents. Actually, what you need to do is work out why those calls are coming in and start treating that root cause. Yes. Yeah, because you don't want the cause coming in the first place. It's not indicative of a healthy system. Right? So look for the systemic cause. Right. You heard it here first. Look for the systemic cause. That's the advice from Toby, our expert on uh, resistance to change. And I'm very conscious of time because I know that we've managed to steal you away for a bit to come and do this podcast with us. But Toby's traveling. Uh, from London to various cities in Europe doing work with adaptivists at the moment. So we're very fortunate to 
align this episode to have him in London with us and join us in the studio. Um, but on that note, I'm going to say thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you to Toby. Um, do you want to plug the Adaptivist site? Is adaptivist.co.uk? Uh, adaptivist.com. Adaptivist.com. Um, please do go visit it or reach out to me on LinkedIn or whatever it is. Um, if you are interested in, in discussing any of these things further, I'm very happy to talk to people. Yeah. And the flow is a little flow. The flow training, I mean, I know obviously we provide it. We're not the only people that provide it, so you can get it elsewhere. But just do it because it really it opens your eyes. Right. On that note, thank you very much, Toby. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you for tuning in to Strat on the Wall, your go-to podcast for organizational transformation insights. If you're looking for help in any of the areas we discuss in the podcast around agile transformation, strategy implementations, and OKR expertise, please reach out to us at www.oneofmany.com. Or better yet, click on the Talk to an Expert button and one of our consultants will be in touch, happy to help in understanding your opportunities and challenges.